And now it's time for us to discuss more of the headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Alina. Happy Thursday. It's a cold one. <laughs> it's winter. It's expected, is it not? I've, I've decided yeah. each morning it will be colder than the day before. <laughs> There's no middle ground here in Korea between the seasons. I mean, it's <laughs> unseasonably warm and then suddenly it drops to like minus 10. I mean, it's hard to predict, isn't it? It's... Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what you do is you open the window and realize, oh, today is cold. <laughs> well, I wouldn't open a window. <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely check online to see the weather forecast. My point being, I see. Yeah. yeah. My point being, maybe we have to make the comparisons ourselves. Sometimes it's hard, like you said, to predict these abnormalities, already yeah. weather conditions. Anyhow, yeah. listeners. It's cold, so brace yourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's going to snow today as well, so careful, everyone. All right, let's jump into our first keyword of the day. Rate hike. The Federal Reserve on Wednesday raised its benchmark policy rate by half a percentage point and signaled its intention to keep raising rates next year. What's the latest, Adam? Right, so it seems like we're not going to see the end of it, uh, continuous uh, raising of the rates. Uh, Wednesday's move brings the Fed rates to Fed funds rate to a range of 4.25% to 4.5%. They are now at the highest level since 2007, just before the uh, financial crisis. Now, the Fed has raised rates by a collective 4.25% throughout the year, so it's been quite aggressive in terms of raising rates. And the latest rate hike did mark a slowdown from the Fed's recent pace of rate hikes, uh, as the central bank had raised rates by 75 basis points at each of its past four policy meetings. So it is a little bit of a slowdown. Uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said the full effects of the rapid tightening so far are yet to be felt, adding more work needs to be done. Now, in its statement announcing Wednesday's move, the central bank included wording which said it anticipates ongoing increases in interest rates, implying the Fed does not intend to pause rate hikes imminently. New economic forecasts from the Fed published Wednesday show officials now see benchmark interest rates peaking at 5.1% in 2023. That's an extra 50 basis points higher than the previous projected 4.6% back in September. Officials then see rates coming down to 4.1% in the following year of 2024, slightly higher than previously projected. Uh, the Fed's move comes as inflation has started to show signs of slowing. We mentioned some of the figures yesterday, but Powell did say that it will take substantially more evidence to give confidence that inflation is on a sustained downward path. He said the recent news was welcome, but he still sees services inflation as too high. And he noted that February's rate hike next year will depend on incoming data. Mm. With that, we move on to our second keyword of the day. Winter surge. So Korea's new COVID-19 cases remained above 80,000 for the second straight day, sparking concerns of a winter wave of infections that ha we had warned our listeners about, it seems. What's the latest? Yes, we certainly have warned of uh, a winter wave uh, repeatedly uh, on the show. Uh, the daily caseload was slightly down from the previous day yesterday, but it was uh, higher than the same day tallied a week earlier. 
Uh, for the past week, the daily average number of new cases was just over 63,000. Health authorities expect daily infections will be on a slow incremental trend for the time being, but did not rule out the possibility of another virus wave this winter. Uh, the government earlier said it will decide whether to lift the indoor mask mandate by the end of this month based on various factors, including caseloads, deaths and hospitalizations, despite the signs that there may be a winter surge. Uh, the KDCA said it will give a briefing on the mandate readjustment plan next Friday. Uh, there has been some concern over the recent spread of uh, the BN.1 variant of Omicron. Now, among the Omicron subvariants, the detection rate of BA.5 and its subvariants are still dominant at 71.3%, while the detection rate of BN.1 is increasing. Officials say that although BN.1 is increasing, the speed is quite slow, so it's kind of downplaying uh, uh, slightly the risks of it. A comprehensive analysis by the KDCA revealed that the number of new confirmed COVID cases in the first week of December was just under 60,000 on average. That's an increase of just over 11% from the previous week with an infectious reproductive index of 1.04, remaining above one for eight uh, straight weeks. Also, the incidence rate uh, increased in all age groups, but the increase was especially large in the 10 to 19-year-olds. Now, the rate of estimated reinfection cases as of the last week of November was 14.7%. That's up from the previous week's 13.3%. That shows that one in seven new confirmed cases has been infected twice or more. Mm. Officials are again urging for people to get vaccinated, especially uh, the elderly and those with underlying conditions. Um, so there are some data, uh, various data, pointing to a steady surge in cases during the winter. But that was anticipated. Mm. And of course, uh, relevant vigilance and uh, precautionary measures mm. are being urged. All right. Well, let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Back online. So Korea's 27th nuclear reactor, Shinano No. 1, has begun full-scale operations 12 years after construction first began. Tell us the details. Right, so construction did begin in 2010 in Ujin and was completed uh, two years ago. Now, after years of testing, it began commercial operation last week. It was initially scheduled, actually, to begin commercial operation back in 2017, but the plan was delayed due to an earthquake in Gyeongju. A ceremony was held yesterday to mark the launch of operations. Uh, president Yoon, he was meant to attend, but cancelled his attendance due to uh, what the presidential office said was extreme weather conditions. But Energy Minister Yi Chang-yang did read out a congratulatory address from the president. Uh, Yoon pledged to revive the nuclear power industry and turn it into a key export sector. Uh, nothing new. He said that before. Uh, he also vowed to double this year's one trillion one budget next year for the industry. So to two trillion one. Uh, the energy ministry believes the country will be able to meet higher than expected energy demand this winter through Shinhano Unit One's operation as well. It'll also help reduce the country's dependence on liquefied natural gas, thereby narrowing its trade deficit. Now Korea depends on imports to meet more than ninety three percent of its fuel needs. So uh, the operation of the nuclear power plant is certainly going to alleviate mm -hmm. that somewhat. 
uh, and the power generated by the unit will be equivalent to annual LNG imports of over 1.4 million tonnes. Uh, now, the UN government plans more nuclear power projects. Construction of Shinhanu units 3 and 4 will resume in 2024. UN is also eyeing about 10 overseas nuclear power plant construction projects. Uh, Korea has a total of 27 reactors, including the newly built one. Uh, 25 of them are currently in operation. Three additional ones are actually under construction, according to government data. Mm. Um, Korea seeks to expand its generation of nuclear power to more than 30% of its total energy creation uh, by the year 2030. So you definitely making good on his promise of making or uh, reintroducing nuclear power as a key energy source. So that portfolio between renewables versus nuclear, uh, it, the, the percentage has shifted. And he's, as you said, keeping good on his promise. With that, we move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Checking progress. So President Yoon will preside apparently over a meeting today to check the implementation of some of his key policy goals in his first year in office and explain plans for the coming year. Right. So it is the first state policy review meeting of the UN administration. It'll last 100 minutes and will be televised across the nation. Around 150 people, including 100 members of the public, will take part in the session. Uh, the top office says related ministers will make a presentation on policy goals and the panel will ask questions to Yoon or the ministers who will answer right away on the spot. Uh, the session will be held under four themes, which are the economy, uh, future growth sectors, a vision for regions outside the capital area and the three major reform areas of pensions, labour and education, something that has been touted by the president. A uh, second session is actually going to be held in the first half of next year mm. to look into foreign policy, national security and other topics that will not be covered uh, today. Um, the UN administration has adopted 120 key policy tasks with some already adopted. The most recent was, uh, of course, changing Korea's age counting systems. Mm. Uh, so I think a lot of eyes and attention will be on the televised meeting, especially in the wake of the Itaewon crush disaster mm. as well. Um, under the Moon administration, uh, the uh, the same kind of policy meeting yeah. uh, didn't go as smoothly as many had anticipated. Mm. A lot of uh, overtime, uh, ran over time for uh, the session as well. So whether they will stick to the 100 minutes remains to be seen. Mm. Um, and of course, there was a, a lot of anger in the last uh, meeting under the president uh, Moon Jae-in and I think a similar kind of scenario will be uh, inevitable for uh, today's meeting uh, with President Yoon as well especially in light of the uh, Itaewon crush incident. Uh, the last time was uh, um, the uh, child road uh, policy as well which sparked a bit of anger and a different cause for anger this time around. All right but what kind of uh, I suppose uh, key uh, perspectives come out of it I think that's also important is it's sometimes tough to follow along to the over 100 minutes of heated debate uh, angry yeah. commentary but I'll try to see beyond that and see if we have some yeah. talking points for tomorrow let's move on to our mm -hmm. final keyword of the day. Uh, Space Force units. Is this CASA? <laughs> oh, no, it's a different branch. Okay. No, it's not CASA. All right. The U.S. military has launched a Space Force unit in South Korea aimed at helping Washington better monitor North Korea as well as China and Russia. Tell us the details about this branch. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't think I'll ever get used to that uh, Casa <laughs> name, but I think it'll take some time. But anyway, this isn't that. So this is the United States Space Forces units, and it is under the United States uh, Forces Korea Command. Now, the launch comes after South Korea and the United States pledged to increase their security cooperation against North Korean threats, and there's been a lot of action uh, in relation to that, a USSF detachment has been deployed to South Korea since last year, in fact. But yesterday was actually the launch uh, of the unit. Uh, USFK Commander Paul LeCamera hosted a ceremony to mark the launch at Osan Air Base in Pyeongtaek. The unit is expected to help monitor projectiles from North Korea and elsewhere, namely China and Russia, uh, to bolster the deterrence capabilities of the South Korea-US alliance. Uh, the Korea unit is a subordinate of a bigger USSF unit established within the Indo-Pacific Command in Hawaii last month. So basically, uh, the Korea unit will basically act like kind of a field unit where the one in Hawaii is kind of the control tower or the headquarters, if you will. Um, USSF is a relatively young service branch of the US Armed Forces. It, will, it was launched in December 2019 under then-President Donald Trump and is the world's only independent space force. It did kind of get a little bit of slack when mm -hmm. Donald Trump did tout it back in his presidency. Um, but it's still standing under the Biden administration. Uh, earlier this month, South Korea's Air Force established a space operations squadron as well at Osan Air Base, uh, signaling stronger space security cooperation with the U.S. And the South Korean space unit will likely conduct operations in cooperation with the USSF units. So some more alliance um, uh, operations there as well. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage. Have a safe warm day and i'll see you tomorrow you too stay warm see you tomorrow if you're listening to our program using the podcast service just a reminder that we do go live monday through friday 7 a.m korea standard time so tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input see you bright and early on good morning seoul